0: Watch challenge on each episode we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners my name is Mike went
1: and I'm Aaron Spears this episode's challenge is the best of 2023 took uh what we do this podcast a couple of years I think and it didn't ever occur <laughs> like hey yeah. that's, that's a watch challenge watch best yeah let's do a best of yeah I don't know if there's really usually we usually do a little chit chat up front and figure out like well here's why we picked this here's our approach this was yeah. pretty straightforward
0: yeah absolutely and i mean i i think this year was uh this was a a pretty strong year uh all things considered i i i thought yeah you know i uh it, and i actually i thought 2022 was actually a pretty solid year as well but there were there were parts of this year where i felt like there were gaps uh, of like good quality <laughs> at times, mm-hmm. but there were like just certain things that I think, you know, will stick with uh, me when I like end up looking at the decade kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like there, there's like, there's at least a couple of these that I, you know, I feel like will kind of stand the test of time. Um, mm hmm. Just uh, just thinking about them now, even now, uh, and some of them like you know I only saw once earlier in the year, but like they stuck with me. Um, yeah, everything. So I think, uh, yeah, uh, you know, kind of using a letterbox to you know this the glorious app that I think yes. uh, <laughs> a lot of us cinephiles have. It looks like I watched of 2023 releases. I watched 110 releases that came out in 2023 uh in 2023 so and I, I i caught a few i've already caught a few this year so i guess maybe that's like 120 or something <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> my since uh since the pandemic hit my my pie chart at the end of the year for Letterbox it says like you know current releases or or past ones yeah the current releases is just getting smaller and smaller every yeah.
2: year yeah um, yeah it yeah. really
1: is for me um i think i was at like 45 or something like that for this year yeah. which i mean you know the general general movie going public is like holy shit that's you know a lot i'm like no mike saw a lot i saw <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know half or a third of that
0: well i, I will say fortune i am fortunate uh because i work at the film commission uh, of cleveland uh that i get invited to a lot of preview screenings for things which oh, sure helps me I think keep ahead of the curve if I wasn't invited to those I would probably miss a lot more uh films in general release I I will say and I just rather go to the cinema Tech and watch uh you know yeah a lot of like repertory things uh not to sound like a snob but no sorry right. <laughs> you know we we have, our, we
1: have our snob moments here on the show yes um but at the same time uh would I was going to say ranking those 140 movies with like your top ratings. Well, actually, I was going to say, if it wasn't a preview screen, like, would you still go see night swim or would that just be like, well, it's free and it's tonight. And
0: yeah, that I, I purely went to night swim because it was the first general release of the year. So, um, all right, I'm going to start off the year, see, you know uh, and actually because of, well, I mean, we can get into, I don't want to get into the weeds, <laughs> but like, because of like the strike, yeah. there are less movies coming out in general release right now. So it's like, I feel like I've almost seen every general release except for Madam Web, uh, which oh. <laughs> I hear is, uh, is something that I probably should see because it might be so bad that it's good. But I, I you know, who knows? Uh yeah, that's sort of the territory I'm in with that one, too. Like yes.
1: somebody mentioned, like it's the cats of the Marvel universe. I'm like, well, you've got my interest now. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting how that ripple effect works. But in so within 2023, at, uh, specifically, was there any particular trends or things that you noticed that you wanted to highlight here? I, I, on my end, I kind of. Notice the stuff that I watched. I have some pretty heavy sci-fi as a genre is pretty well represented in my top films I saw of the year, which isn't a genre I would say normally is like, oh, it's one of my genres. But I I saw some really fantastic sci-fi examples this year. Was there any any particular trends that you were seeing?
0: You know, I will say in terms of if I'm just using it by letterbox metrics or something, Mm -hmm. um, I gave a lot less fives this year. Okay. And, and sometimes I, I get criticized by friends for maybe being too generous sure. uh, to, to things. And I don't know, I, I think like, I remember listening to certain things that like Roger Ebert used to say that's like, that like he hated kind of using star. I mean, obviously he was him and Gene Cisco were like the thumbs up, thumbs down guys, but yeah he also didn't really necessarily like using the star metric. So it's like, cause like some days a movie might hit a certain way or, or whatever. Mm. But I I would just say that um, I tried this year. I really did try this year to watch more foreign films, okay. uh, like maybe first run foreign films mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I was, you know, at least successful to get to some of those. And, and a lot of times I feel like if I miss them in the theater, sometimes I I mean, I will eventually find them on streaming, but it's I don't know. I, I'm such like a uh, I really like seeing things on the big screen mm-hmm. first because I always find like I fall asleep if I try to watch something on streaming for some reason. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. Maybe that's I just need to see my doctor and. uh maybe i'm narcoleptic or something but uh but no i looking at the ones that i i'm going to talk about on this episode i would say that they are representative of the of the the type of things that like really kind of appeal to me for for this year Mm -hmm. uh you have a touch of melancholy maybe uh And then, but also some like uplift and hope. So, so yeah, I, I guess if uh, I, I'm probably speaking in hyperbole and it's, <laughs> was, I sound like out of whack here, but, uh, but yeah, but no, I, I'm pretty confident in the, in the stuff that I, that really appealed to me this year.
1: I, that's interesting. Cause I, I think that's going to be a good counterbalance to to mine. Cause I, I'm looking at the kind of the sci-fi element i just mentioned and um it's kind of dystopic and so i think it might balance each other out so
0: um, well there is one there's one on mine that that i think would definitely fall under in the sci-fi category and it's to me that was it was like the surprise of the year oh okay yeah
1: i'm wondering what kind of overlap we'll have too because uh we we normally do a couple honorable mentions and then our main pick but we're gonna do the uh kind of the standard i don't really have it as like a top five i have my top movie for sure um and i did re-watch it recently just to double check that yeah it's still my five yeah. star with a heart movie for this year um but then below it it could kind of shift around uh my my, my lower four that I'll, I'll bring up today they could kind of shift around in the order depending on my mood so sure yeah that's that's what that is uh for me should we jump in do you want to yeah any more trends or anything or should we hop right in I think yeah, let's let's go for it. All right. Uh you want to kick us off? Did you, did you did you rank yours or is it just
0: um I I'm going to say yes, this is a ranking. Okay. Um I'm going to do a ranking. Um so I'm going to say number 5, I'm going to go with that that surprise of the year uh for me. Uh which was Godzilla minus 1. Ooh, I uh, did not get to see this one. Yeah. Uh this one, I was fortunate to see twice. I saw it first in color, and then uh, just a few weeks ago, they re-released it in black and white, um, and it's called Godzilla Minus One Minus Color. Um, and I completely actually, missed this. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, uh, actually, I prefer the the black and white version, to be honest, uh, but this is a loving uh, kind of, you know, this was made because it is the 70th anniversary of the first Godzilla film, and it essentially you could call it a remake of that first Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it takes place in World War II, and uh, it is uh, it's it's so good. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's entertaining. It has a really good build, and I actually what I told some friends when I went to see it um, was that I call it the Top Gun Maverick of, of Godzilla movies okay. uh, <laughs> uh because it's, you know, it kind of, it has this opening and like our, our hero has uh, feels like great shame because, you know, he did not, uh he has the opportunity. This is a slight spoiler, I guess, but like has the opportunity to kill, co- kill Godzilla but did not and then godzilla comes back with a vengeance right. and um it's so well done uh i mean it leads to this like really great finale um and they made this thing for like under 15 million dollars and it looks like an uber 200 million million dollar blockbuster you know yeah. uh it got uh an oscar nomination for visual effects which is pretty outstanding when you consider you're going against like guardians of the galaxy you know oh which yeah 250 million dollar budget so uh but yeah this one um uh, i can't wait till i can own it uh because i you know i feel like this could be one of those ones that like i rewatch quite a bit um just b- because it's so entertaining uh yeah i'm really looking forward to that one i'm definitely buying that as soon as
1: it comes out and i hope they include the black and white version
0: yes because like, it. it it really you know sometimes it's just like that sounds like a cash grab or something if they're just going to re-release it in black and white but there is really like you felt like you're watching like one of those classic godzilla movies. yes that's what i'm looking forward to
1: actually i'm gonna if they do a release that way i'm gonna watch that one first so that's my first viewing of it is yes be black and white just to sort of see yeah. how it plays watch you well, I was going to say, actually, I'll throw this one out as one of my first uh, honorable mentions for the year because it really parallels a lot of what you were just saying with Godzilla minus one, also Godzilla minus one minus color, uh, yeah. is uh, the creator from Ooh. director Gareth Edwards. And it, I think it pairs well because you mentioned specifically the budget. Now, this is an $80, mil, 80 $0 million um, budget, which is no small chunk of change by any means. But the yeah. scope, scale, and the use—the smart use of CGI and digital effects in this movie, along with practical effects, I, I think kind of, it looks like a $200 million, like, Avatar-level Yeah. Uh, kind of, I don't mean spectacle in a bad way, just like the grandeur of a great science fiction uh, world here. The basic premise, uh, if folks haven't seen it, because I also feel like it came and went so quickly. I don't know how many people really got to see this one. Um, yeah. Yeah is uh john david washington plays the mid main character uh and it's set in the future war between the human race and forces of artificial intelligence you know he's an ex-special forces guy he's infiltrating and yeah there's different factions around the world or and and where he's working at too that like some people are perfectly fine working with the ai uh some people aren't and sometimes you can't quite tell who is and who isn't and i i also recently rewatched the original blade runner and then the blade runner 2049 yeah. And I was really struck by the science fiction element that Gareth Edwards has within the creator. And it really gave me great, um, probably going to mispronounce it, Denis Villeneuve, the direct, the yeah. Dune and Arrival yeah. and all that. Like, there's an element of contemporary American sci fi that I really enjoy. And that really wouldn't be like a genre that i be like, yeah, I'm a sci fi guy. But this yeah, kind uh, of, uh, I don't know, maybe I think of it as more philosophical sci fi where there's like an interesting human hook or an idea that I'm like yeah let's explore this and it's not about the gadgets or you know the the tech of stuff like it's there but it's not like fetishized that way it's more of like the human story or in the blade runner case like a really cool detective story at its heart you know this one is john david washington kind of discovering where allegiances lie and he has his own kind of internal uh I don't want to do any spoilers for it, um internal kind of struggle that he's he's trying to work through sure. and figure out but yeah it, it it had like like just some of the best touches of, of, of sci-fi uh that that i i saw this year in a really really smart way and yeah it, it's one that i i was expecting a bit too much because i really like gareth edwards as a director and i've enjoyed his previous work i remember when uh, monster monsters came out at the art house i was still there at the time and i was like this is an amazing way to do a low budget sci-fi kind of apocalypse idea um and then, speaking of Godzilla, uh, my personal favorite Godzilla, the 2014 one that Edwards did, I was like, "Wow, I'm 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 back on board for Hollywood Godzilla movies." I never
2: thought yeah. of oh. that
1: again. So I I was just really really impressed with the creator, and I was kind of talking it up to people. And you know, I got some looks at people at work. They're like, "Oh, oh, that sci-fi one about AI." I was like, "It, it's more than that. Come on, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah, sort of thing." But uh, yeah, that was it. Was really solid. And I think it's one of those. The more I revisit, I think there's gonna there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, of all people he co-wrote the screenplay with um uh chris whites of like american pie yeah. boy fame and i was just like interesting screenwriting partner go on um yeah. and it, it it's just a story that i feel like the more you revisit it the the more it will yield like oh i didn't even notice that before and i don't know it moves yeah. really quick but i feel like it, it, it is kind of kind of dense philosophically to dig into
0: yeah that um uh- that's one that I miss in theaters. I've tried to watch it on streaming and uh you I will eventually I will eventually finish it. <laughs> but I it's like sometimes when I'm like ready to start something on streaming, I start it too late. And yep. I think it's one of those ones because it, it it seems a little slow at the beginning. Uh, which I guess is all good sci-fi movies are supposed to do. <laughs> but It's like why why can't it just have a ninety-minute banger? You know, like right? Yeah, well, <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I think this one does crack two hours, but um, yeah, yeah. All right, what, what else have you got on your list? What do we have? Okay, so my number four. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with. This is so hard. Like, <laughs> I don't want to leave something off, but I'm going to say past lives. Uh, Celine songs basic it's her uh film debut uh this is about a uh you know a korean woman uh who is happily married and uh you know her world is kind of turned upside down when her her former boyfriend uh reaches out to her and, and decides that he's going to come to visit and this is uh just just a beautiful beautiful film and it's it's kind of uh it's understated in a lot of ways especially the acting but uh there are there are certain shots in this movie that i just absolutely love like there's a there's a there's a scene towards the beginning of the film where you know she finds out that she's gonna be moving uh to america and he knows that he's gonna stay and, like the way how the shot is set up where it's, like, one is going to go up these stairs or, mm-hmm. or, like, kind of go up these stairs to go to, like, a different development. And, like, she goes this way. Um, it's just there's some really heartbreaking scenes in this because it's, like, they have, like, almost, like, this perfect day where they're, they're hanging out and everything. And it almost gets to this point where it's, like, you, you kind of wonder, like, is she going to leave her husband and, like, go with this guy uh but you know the husband is like 100 very like you know he's like you should meet this guy you should hang out with him you know it i don't know it's it just i could not believe it was a debut film uh yeah. just the confidence really uh came off the off the screen for me and uh i actually you know i teared up a little bit in this movie i i was just really uh, surprised by it and uh you know it's worthy of its uh, best picture nomination I would say. Oh that's right it did, yeah. Yeah. It only got two nominations, but it got the ones that that mattered. You that know, mattered to, yeah. Best picture <laughs> and screenplay. Because if there were ten slots for director, she would probably be in there. Be one of those. Yeah.
1: So yesterday I had two options in my head of what I was going to click play on to watch and prep for the show. Cause it was like, no more 2023 yeah. and past lives was sitting there and I didn't click play on it. And the reason was, was because I had enough time that I could commit to the 152 minute runtime of anatomy of a fall. Ah, yes. is, so uh, so my next one. Yes. And, so uh, I will get to past lives. Very very soon because uh, I was really 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 looking forward to that one. Anatomy of Fall like immediately jumped to near the top of my list for the year. And the more and I've only had like a day to think about it, and it's like already rising in in my brain of just like oh oh, then that scene oh that oh that's how that was put. It it's so it's kind of like we said with Godzilla. That's a weird comparison. It's a little bit like you said with Godzilla that like it's it's deceptively simple. Yes. But the way that it's explored and the nuance that the camera lets the viewer in on from different characters' points of view as well throughout the story I was just like holy holy shit this is this is amazing. And the more I just think about it I'm just like I need to go back and watch that one uh again. So yeah this is uh Anatomy of Fall Justine Triet uh is the co-writer and director and mm-hmm. is nominated for best picture. Did she get direct Director, she got nominated for
0: director, director. Okay. um yep. some argue that you know she took greta's spot uh it's so Fairway, directed spot. i
1: can't be angry at this one i don't yeah. know um,
0: yeah no you're you're absolutely right this uh
1: palm door winner um again no spoilers so don't worry about skipping ahead here uh yeah. it is a it's just it's a legal it's a court case and it's also yeah. a court case in france in france where i'm completely unfamiliar with how their court system works and so I was a little worried, like, am I going to know the ins and the outs? Or is this like made for a French audience that knows how their court system works? Or is this made for like an international audience? And it's kind of both. Um, yeah. You don't get like an overview of like, and here's how the trial's going to play out. Like you see her meeting with her lawyer. So the opening scenes, you know, it's uh, the the star of the movie, uh, Sandra Hüller, uh German actress who actually is also in Zone of Interest. So what so, a year she's having for yes. this one. Um, people might remember her from Tony Erdman a few years ago too, where she, uh, kind of displayed some comedy chops that are not on display here. Cause they, 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 would be inappropriate. It's she, her son and her husband. And then her husband, you know, we see the results of he felt, uh, and he's, he's now dead on the property right there. And then the rest of the movie for 145 minutes is essentially a, yeah, it's a legal courtroom drama. And I never felt like I didn't know what was going on. The nuance to how the story slowly reveals certain elements and it seems one way and you're like oh my god that totally happened this way and then the you know the the prosecuting attorney i don't know if that's what they're called there and then her her lawyers they go back and forth you're like well no now that's it's it's completely this way and now it goes completely like it it gave me the feeling of watching 12 angry men for the first time where you're like it takes you through the case and and reveals all the ins and outs of a personal relationship via the cold hard like light of a courtroom And examining stuff and then having to explain to your, explain to everybody, like, basically like, you know, the ins and outs and intricacies of an you know, adult relationship that maybe isn't perfect, but like, is it murder? Like, like it, I don't know. It just, it straddled that line so well. And yeah, then I paused it at a certain point because I was like, I'm, you know, watching my living room and I was like, I have to take a leak. I don't want to miss anything. And I paused. i like, there's like five minutes left. I'll just finish watching it. Like it, you don't feel the runtime on this
0: at all. I didn't. Yeah. Like, no i um this would be um if we were doing like a full 10 this would be my number seven uh i i thought um i was so glad um you know because like it it played a couple theaters around here yeah um but it like i just could never make the time work because of the length of the movie Mm -hmm. uh, because it was always going to be like because of where I live uh you know for any of our listeners who are keeping track but uh because <laughs> I live closer to the Akron area in Akron we are we are like considered a lower tier uh area as opposed to Cleveland mm-hmm. so less less options for indif- independent films uh, sure. but I I was able to catch it at the Akron art house here uh the very last screening that it had so and uh but yeah i i thought this the screenplay was great the the kid who plays her son oh so good amazing performance yeah Uh, the dog gives a good performance (laughs) Uh, and the dog was just at the the oscar luncheon and it seemed like everybody was with it uh but yeah such a such a really good film and uh for anybody who gets like you know oh foreign films i have to read subtitles a lot of the movies actually in english yeah uh, yeah a good i i would say it's like a 50 50 split yeah yeah i would say so yeah
1: and they explain kind of why that is in the context of the film so you're like it's not yeah. like wait why are they speaking like oh okay that makes sense uh i also yeah.
0: love that they have a website
1: didshedoit.com which i Ooh. think <laughs> I will have to look that up. Uh, we're do. done recording. I did not know. Yeah, I didn't dig in too far because I just watched it yesterday. But I was like, man, even like today at work, I was just like, kept thinking of scenes, and I was like, oh, you know, oh, I gotta check that out again. Um, yeah. Before we move on to the next one, uh, it did win the Palm Dog Award, which I learned was a thing when I was looking this up on on Wikipedia this morning. I was like, wait, what? Okay, that's need nice of dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't dig in too far, but I, I but I wondered if um the dog in the artist. Had to have won, yeah. home dog, with yeah. <laughs> that one played. I would assume so.
0: Absolutely. Where are we at for you, Mike? Is this number three? Yeah, this will be number three. Um, okay, so this one, and I keep going back and forth between three and two because I can't really quite decide here. Well, it's on wax now, so choose wisely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, just gonna go for it. Um, so I'm gonna go with Sean Durkin's The Iron Claw, uh for number three. Um uh, this one I was I am a I'm a big professional wrestling fan, uh first and foremost. So I should I should preface that. Um <laughs> and also just the story of the the von Erich family is, is very fascinating to me. I you know, because I remember watching Texas Tornado as a kid um i had no freaking clue and this is i guess i don't it's, i don't think it's a spoiler or anything but like i had no freaking clue that he was an amputee it like that he doesn't have one of his foot feet like oh, because okay. like when you're watching you know wrestling as a kid it's just like you know you see him like doing everything normally yeah just i didn't realize that he he didn't have one of his feet i mean that's pretty uh incredible but this is this is uh, another one it's just it's so well done uh there's a great eye eye for detail a period detail here um it's uh a very like it's one of those movies it's very sad uh oftentimes because of the history of what happens to the family but i really think zach efron gives an incredible performance uh that was sadly overlooked by the academy mm-hmm. uh you know a, a performance of nuance and um you know there are the way how he bulked up for this movie how how the other actors bulked up for this movie especially jeremy allen white from the bear uh i mean my god like you know in the bear he looks like a you know 110 pounds soaking wet right uh, <laughs> And here I mean, just the way how he balked up, but it is, you know, a story of brotherhood, family, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I, I remember there were some people who were like, yeah, like, let's re- release this depressing movie around Christmas time. But but I really felt it was like it was perfect for Christmas time because it is all about family and sure. Uh, And how devoted they were to each other and devoted to the craft of of wrestling, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, to some people like wrestling is a joke, uh, but, you know, it was very serious to them. It was, it was their family business. Uh, A lot of like just great performances of this and great cinematography, uh, you know, clearly shot on film. I think it looked like it was shot like kind of on 16 millimeter. Oh, nice. Really good. Uh, really good soundtrack <laughs> uh, you know rush uh, Russia's tom sawyer gets a a nice uh montage scene here but uh you know one of the other mvps of the movie i would say is lily james who plays um zach efron's wife in the movie um you know she she's been steadily getting some work you know and she i thought she was pretty good at baby driver but here mm-hmm. you know she plays that that wife that but it's like not like just a throwaway part, you know, she's integral to the story. So, and Sean Durkin's only really, I think this is only his third movie, but you know, his first movie w- was released maybe back in 2010 was like Martha Marcy May Marlene. Uh so the fact that he's only directed three movies is kind of interesting. But I think he did a little stint on TV. But uh, but I really absolutely love this movie. I I bought it uh on itunes over the weekend so i watched it for a second time and i you know, <laughs> I, I, I that solidified uh yeah it's in the top five I, I
1: was gonna bring that up because you you mentioned you brought up martha marcy may marlene when we did our films with cults episode uh, yeah this past fall and we were talking at the time like it's been a while since he made something and we we're like holy shit he's got a movie oh my god it's about wrestling like you were very hyped for this and i'm yes I'm very happy that it lived up to your hype or even yes. because I've been in that seat before where you're like the hype is huge it better pay off and I feel like more often than not it kind of doesn't sometimes so
0: Yeah. Yeah, no it 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 really uh for me it, it it was it was so good. So good.
1: Now, before we move on to I need to ask cuz I haven't seen Iron Claw yet. Yeah. It feels like one of those that you that may need the preface like I don't um I'm not one of those like wrestling's a joke kind of people but I'm also not into wrestling if I don't know too much the film still
0: works. Yes, I I would say so because there's really not that many scenes of wrestling, to be honest. Um, You know, there's a lot of it is the family drama um, in it, in the family dynamics. Uh, So, I mean, certainly there are some scenes of wrestling, um, but it's done so in a way that I think is um, can, can work for people who are not really into it. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, it kind of, you know, it, it peels behind the curtain a little bit, you know, it's like, it talks about, you know, how they, they predetermine and, you know, it's like, okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, okay. you know, like that, that kind of thing's cool. Yeah, uh, I actually, I would love like, uh, if I had, you know, the pencil or something to, to book a day at, at like a, a revival house or a cinema tech or something, if I could, yeah if you get Darren Aronofsky's the wrestler and then the iron claw, it could be a perfect double feature, you know, maybe you can throw in uh, the bad Hulk Hogan movie. uh, No holds barred just for, uh,
1: (laughs) for a breather
0: extra. Yeah. For some extra camp, but uh, but yeah. But no, I mean, iron claw really uh, is great. I think it's, I mean, it didn't really get the awards love that I think it, it should have but it it was one of those ones where it got released you know kind of late in the in the year Mm -hmm. um so i think that that hurt it a little bit yeah
1: and being like again like an r-rated movie well i mean the the christmas season is also like award season too so yeah uh, i guess you're hoping for the best like people have time and hopefully they'll grab onto this one but yeah for sure uh well, I'll definitely catch that one. I just was one of those, like I wasn't going to rush out to see, but yeah, um, yeah, that high on your list. I'll definitely give that one a spin.
0: Yeah. How about your three?
1: Um, I'm going to do, uh, so obviously An Enemy of a Fall did not hit my my sci-fi thing that I was mentioning. Yeah. Another one that I found to be pretty, I, I, I thought was just very fascinating, but I'm also a big fan of, oh, this is a hype one, I guess. Uh, One of my, like I don't watch a ton of television, but like, top five tv i've ever watched one of those numbers uh is going to go to mr robot just love right. that show uh yeah, yeah. sam esmail was like writer and director i think for the whole thing like i don't i can't remember a time when there was like a tv show that when was it five seasons something like that four or five seasons yeah. and it's like the same career i mean you have showrunners but like as a writer director was just there the whole step of the way and yeah he worked with like a lot of the same crew. He worked with um, Matt Quayle uh, as his uh, as his composer throughout the whole thing. He worked, I believe, with Todd Campbell was a cinematographer for the whole series as well. So it has all the hallmarks for me of just like a great movie, although it's spread out over all these number of episodes. And some got pretty creative and some got just kind of weird. Like there's a yeah. uh, episode with Alf, the the sitcom from the <laughs> 80s <laughs> it was pretty wild. But I don't know. I dug it. Um, so he did a feature-length film this year called "Leave the World Behind," mm. that he has done some TV work with uh, Amazon as well. Uh, I think it's called. I'm trying to blank. Homecoming, and Julia Roberts was in season one of that, and then Janelle Monet took over for season two. So, I think his relationship working with Julia Roberts there really paid off because he was like, well, maybe Julia Roberts isn't the marquee name she she once was at at this point in her career, but. He got Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali and Ethan Hawke to all come and uh, a quick little very, very supporting role from Kevin Bacon, which was kind of fun because like you see Kevin Bacon in an early scene, you're like, that's Kevin Bacon. And then he doesn't come back for a while. You're like, what happened to Kevin Bacon? Yeah. (laughs) So that may have been a a touch distracting. She's like, well, he's going to come back at some point. Right. Um, And it's not really like a spoiler thing, but you're just like, I was just expecting a bit more Kevin Bacon here, I guess. But this one could definitely go into spoiler territory, and I definitely saw some hate for this online and on some Letterbox reviews that seem to skew younger to me. Where it's like it doesn't spell out everything by the ending, but everything in this movie, it's it's a little off. Um, almost maybe like in a slightly David Lynch way. Okay, yeah. Um, so the idea is a family getaway. Uh, Julie Roberts and Ethan Hawke are parents. Uh, they have two kids, a uh, boy and a girl. The boy's a little older than the girl, but they're you know teenish ages anyway. And then Maher Merhush, uh, Ali comes in with his daughter. Um, they're at this uh, rental property out the, you know, outskirts of New York City, like just out of town, um, in the woods. It's like, luxuri- I mean, it's a very luxurious rental house. It's nothing you or I could afford to go with just for like the weekend. <laughs> so sure. uh, nice of them. So then uh Merhushal Ali ends up showing up with his daughter. They were at a benefit or something like that. And like the power goes out in all of New York City. And so he they they go for safety out into the woods. So it's this kind of thrown together dynamic of people that are now in a this like very luxurious house together. And as the title suggests, leave the world behind. You know, what is going on? You get sporadic information, cell phones don't work, you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no TV signal. What happens? Like deer are acting strange. They're at a a beach at one point in a big cargo ship, just like is clearly like no one's steering it and just they realize, oh, this is yeah. going to crash on the beach. Um, it's one of the posters <laughs> for the movie. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, it doesn't give you all the answers by the end, but you get this really interesting, the mood is always a little like, wait, what is going on here? But the characters, in my opinion, also follow kind of common sense rules, things that like, oh, that's kind of how I would react or, or I understand why they reacted that way. So it's not one of those where you're just like, what are you doing? That's a stupid idea kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it helped me the whole time. Um, I thought it was really fascinating, and it's it's real life enough, but just like that, uh, amped up just a touch of sci-fi to be like, what would happen? Yeah, in this sure. scenario.
0: That uh that's one. Admittedly, I I have not seen. Um, And part of that is because I we lost Netflix, and oh right, I don't want to go into the weeds on that again. But yeah, you uh, mentioned I mentioned that before on the it's <laughs> a password true. crackdown. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, but I will. I think I'm going to try to do a free trial because there's a couple. I want to see that we are the world documentary on Netflix. So Uh, I'll try this to get it back. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my number two. Yeah. In this one, I really, I I slightly kind of went back and forth between two and one um, as well. But I'm gonna go with the holdovers, uh, Alexander Payne's, ah. um, you know, I would say uh dramedy uh of uh you know, basically a uh, you know, a teacher who is uh slightly an outcast. He's uh he's not really liked by his peers, not really liked by the students. And uh he he kind of gets uh guilted into staying behind during uh winter break. And uh, you know he initially has there's like five students, and then uh it basically one of them is has a rich father who takes most of them out skiing, but uh they can't get a hold of the one uh the one kid's uh, parents because they're on like their second honeymoon mm. and it ends up being this boy uh who stays behind, so begrudgingly, uh you know Paul. Giamatti has this uh, boy named, uh, played by Dominic Sessa in his uh, uh, screen debut. I think he he's going to have a really uh, a great future ahead of him. And also the the cook played by Divine Joy Randolph, and uh, you know she's uh, she's grieving uh, because uh, her son was was killed in Vietnam. Um, this movie, I absolutely fucking love this movie (laughs) i'm sorry i i usually don't swear that much on here but i just it's like such a warm blanket of a movie um you know it is set in the 70s but there's something about it that feels like very familiar Mm -hmm. as you're watching it and there's like actually these like little touches that they that they did with it like especially like they made the focus features logo and the Miramax logo, like look like they were vintage seventies. They even put like a, uh, the, you know, the R rating or I think it's R rated. Maybe it's PG 13. I don't know. But like, they put like the rating like right before it, like, like they used to do in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just the, the soundtrack, everything just kind of works and Paul Giamatti, who is so good at giving these kind of like sad sack kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, performances. I think, uh, this is just, uh, tailor made for him and, uh, Alexander Payne. I think one of our, uh, really like, uh, you know, one of our most consistent filmmakers, I, I, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of downsizing his previous movie, yeah. but I love sideways. I love election. Um, citizen ruth um you know i forgot about that one um, yeah and then uh you know about schmidt i i don't know like the guy it's like he just and and nebraska like he just kind of makes the kind of these kind of movies that they're like almost kind of hangout movies in a way Yeah, i can see that um but um yeah this one really kind of hit hit the the heart strings and everything and it doesn't necessarily end on this like super happy note it kind of like ends on this way where you know it's like there is a resolution but it's you know maybe that's life you know it's not (laughs) not meant to be tied up in a in a neat little bow uh so uh that is definitely high on my on my list for that reason
1: it's interesting, that one and Ironclaw, I know both. And I think you've mentioned them because uh, we, were, we were looking, was it Forgotten Films of mm. the 2000s you were mentioning? Sideways was your pick. And I remember wow. you um, at that point was still like, Holdovers, I hope so. and uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned Downsizing as well. So like you had two that were pretty hyped for you this year. And yes, and they totally, uh, delivered. Totally delivered, yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. I have not gotten to Holdovers yet. I somehow missed, I guess, that it was in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Tree's yeah.
0: Name. It's, it's uh, 1970. Yeah, 1970. Because uh, it's right after the moon landing. They like they talk a little bit about it. Um, well, the
1: Vietnam connection you mentioned, too. I don't think I'd heard that exactly. part of the subplot there, too. Yeah. I think now it's in my head that I was like, I'm just going to wait until the holiday season
0: 2024. Yes. Watch oh, it like it, a
1: nice warm blanket. So
0: Yes, it's a perfect Christmas movie because yeah. it takes place you know, Christmas, New Year's and everything. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's just so special.
1: That one, uh, maybe it'll be one of those, like I'll purchase it. I'll leave it shrink wrapped until like I'll crack it open next uh, to this, this Halloween or not Halloween, sorry, this, uh, Thanksgiving and be like, all right, any day now. Yes. Yes.
0: How about you? Number two.
1: This one I think probably is my solid number two. The other ones weren't really ranked. It sort of depended on my mood, but, um, and I got to see this in the theater, uh, only one time so far, but it, it wasn't necessarily super built up in my head as far as hype goes, but I was very excited for it. Yeah. Um, and I've really enjoyed this director's other work before. Uh, this is Poor Things from Yorgos Lanthimos. And I, while I really enjoyed The Favourite, I was working at the art house when it came out, and I was around people who just like lost their fucking minds about that movie. And I was like, yes, it's yeah. great. And then I saw it like twice in a week. Um, because somebody else that I was around head seen, I'm like, oh, I'll go see it with you. And then I was just like, I think I'm I'm good. Like it's yeah. I appreciate oh. it. I love it. I do I like the lobster a little bit better. And I think up until Poor Things came out, Dogtooth, it was one of those like when you have oh, a yeah. band that you like, Dogtooth was the first of his I saw, and I was like, What is this filmmaker doing? I am yeah. into this. Um, speaking of David Lynch vibes, I guess, uh, kind of in a way. <laughs> um, but then Poor Things just Topped all of it. Like it's 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 my new favorite of his. um I still don't know why I, I I'm still I have like the half star off it on Letterbox. I don't know. I haven't just done five stars yet. I'm waiting yeah. for my my second viewing. But I was I mean it was like laugh out loud to me. Yes, uh, borderline like hysterics in the theater. Um, I saw it with my my partner Kelly. She was like elbowed me a couple of times. I was like I, I'm having fun here. Come on, <laughs> I guess I'm going to be that guy. But. It's uh, so if people aren't terribly familiar with it, it's uh, Emma Stone plays Bella, who's brought back to life by, I guess what we could say is an unorthodoxed uh, scientist, and is a young in a young woman's body, but you know the brain of someone who's like brand new to the world and like what does that entail? And there was even at a certain point she runs off with Mark Ruffalo, who's just doing like the best comedy I've ever seen Mark Ruffalo do, which isn't a huge chunk of his resume, but oh my god, does he need to do more comedy? the voices for all these individual characters are so pitch perfectly written that it i don't it's just it's just fascinating and emma stone has been very good in other movies and i've enjoyed her before but like just what a knock it out of the park performance she does yes um, great, as great. Here. um and it does it, it hits that that sci-fi vibe again because you know that someone's brought back to life and um just as a nice little like environmental touch, you know, around the area where she and uh, Willem Dafoe, who plays the, uh, the doctor, the scientist, uh, uh, Godwin Baxter, who brings her back to life. Um, he has like a half chicken, half dog creation, just walk around as a pet. And like, it's just filled with all the stuff. You're like, what is going on here? Or Like electric yeah. carriages that are led by like a half steam powered fake horse. And I, it, it doesn't, again, take time to like explain, oh, this is why this world works this way or why, you know, it's just like it is, It is, and yeah. it allows the story to happen. And honestly, the last thing I would say about it, it goes into very frank and interesting exploration of human sexuality that I wasn't sure where it was going to go or how far it was going to go with it. And I was like, oh, no, I, the, I, I've seen this guy go places with his movies. It's going to go places.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> which was great. And it was very, just like a very... um I don't know, just like a I'm not, not, not unhinged. I don't know the description for it. It's just, it's just like a balls to the wall. Like we're doing this and it yes. exposes like all the the philosophy that comes along with like living and, and life. And if you just pursue pleasure for the sake of pleasure and being a human in the world, like that's fine, but that could lead this way and you need to balance it out with a certain amount of moral, like, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot there that, but basically like to tell anybody that hasn't seen it yet, it's just hilarious. Yes. Like all that's there, and it's 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 great, and it's an amazing film. Maybe a touch too much use of fisheye lens. That'd be my nitpick, I guess.
0: Yeah, but no. otherwise, no. This would definitely be in my top ten for sure. I I think the the last act kind of goes a little too long. Uh, like when I can see when, that when Chris Christopher Abbott's character is introduced. Uh, but uh, like that first. That first like three quarters, like what a like a hoot, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just I laughed so much. Uh, but uh, but yeah, kind of- it, her performance is so. It's like, I mean, she'll probably. It, it seems like she's gonna maybe win. Uh, it, it seems to be a tight race between her and Lily Gladstone. Um, yeah, yeah, I think but, so. Too. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of like she's on like another level, and it's just. It's crazy, you know, cause it's like, I mean, I, I loved her in La La Land, but like yeah. if, if there was one that she should wait for, I think it was this.
1: I think so too. And I, cause I, I have a feeling that neither one of us are mentioned in our top fives, but there are some Barbie parallels. Sure. Between, oh yeah. Like Barbie and this one, the way that Bella heads out into the world. And I was just like, oh wow, this is interesting. Like that could be, that'd be an interesting double feature. Um, cause some yeah. of the same themes are there much more the rated R version here and you know, far fewer people have seen yes. it, but it, it's interesting. Some of the themes that have popped up with, uh, in films this year. So
0: absolutely. All right. We are at the top spot, Mike. So my, my number one might be kind of boring. I think <laughs> what a preface. Well, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm going to say like, there's uh you know, my number six would probably be the zone of interest. Uh, and then like number eight would probably be killers of the flower mood uh because i really like that one but i still i don't think it's i don't think it's like god tier scorsese i just okay. have to say yeah. that I, I think it's really well made but there's something there's uh, maybe we could talk about this on another episode but there's like <laughs> some there's this like one little element that i think is missing like one really powerful scene to really kind of put over the edge sure but um needless to say uh my number one is oppenheimer and yeah. uh i it's like i almost like tried to fight it uh <laughs> maybe you know maybe the holdovers like won my heart more. but i'm gonna go i'm just gonna say oppenheimer this
1: is a national emergency
2: didn't need a charge
1: We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know
0: what it means. If the Nazis have a bomb. They we have a 12 month head start.
1: 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. A secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's dark. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If you don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best.
2: Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about
0: because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this
2: you can't do in your head.
0: Are we saying there's a chance that when we push
1: that button we destroy the world? Chances are near zero.
0: Near zero.
1: What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle.
0: World War II would be over. Our boys would come home.
2: That's happening, isn't it? The
1: world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Somebody builds bigger about
0: maybe because of that that moment that it had in the summer with the Barbenheimer. Sure. Uh, but you know, I did uh I did the double feature on July twenty first, where it's like went to Barbie at four o'clock. Yep. Went to Oppenheimer at seven. <laughs> um and I was just gobsmacked as I was watching it. And watched it a second time, maybe like a month or two later, at the drive-in of all places. But I think it was there when I really, when it really solidified in my head, like this is a straight-up masterpiece, or like mm-hmm. this is like a masterwork. Um, and I think part of it is because it's an unconventional biopic uh, about this guy, and it kind of focuses on it, like you know, hyper focuses on like one specific. Time period, but also the way how it's edited. I mean, it's a three hour movie, but you could easily say it's like, I mean, it's like one of the fastest three hours throughout. Oh, yeah. Movie. It's just, it's, it's like, uh, sometimes, uh, I like to use this phrase when, when editing, it's like, it's like, you know, it, it cuts like butter. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like so it's so fascinating how it works. And I love all the performances of the movie, like so many like cast, you know, name casts in it. Um, But just all the different levels, cinematography, Mm -hmm. the the sound design, the, the special effects or or visual effects, which, you know, he claims there's no like CGI. I, I kind of call bullshit on that, but, (laughs) but I know they did as many practical things as they could. Sure that sequence where they're when they do the the experiment uh like halfway through the movie is like one of the most exhilarating scenes of the year and then you have then this third hour with robert downey jr uh you know kind of chewing the scenery Mm -hmm. you know it seems like he's destined to win the uh supporting actor um yeah it's there's a lot to think about in this movie and uh you know, some some have criticized it, I think, for being maybe, like, too kind to Oppenheimer, and I don't really think it is. I, I think it, like, there's this one really poignant scene, like, after the bomb is dropped, and it's, like, you hear, like, these kind of cries and everything, and, like, you know, because, like, he's being celebrated, but then you have these moments where you hear, like, the weight of what that bomb was on him so yeah and i i mean and nolan mm-hmm. love him or hate him some you know he makes these movies that you know they're impeccably crafted sometimes they could be maybe seen as cold and i don't know if that's just a british thing or not but uh, <laughs> and, and like uh i i wasn't like completely on board with tenet but he is won me over uh with this one and uh and I hope if he wins, you know, I mean, I, I think he's deservedly going to win director. It looks like it's going to win picture, picture, yeah. um, you know, and so, so, so like I said, I mean, maybe it's boring pick, but it really is, I think, head, head and shoulders above the, the best movie of 2023.
1: I don't, we're, we're not tied here, and I, but I don't necessarily disagree with you that it's, it's the um, like not not one of the best ones. It was on my list, just wasn't in my. Sure, there mostly right now, which is unfair to the movies because I wanted. It's it's so overwhelming. I wanted to watch it again, so I bought the Blu Ray and I just haven't put it on yet. Uh, yeah, to give it a rewatch. Um, but it definitely has all the the earmarks to me of like this is going to be even better on a rewatch now that I kind of see the scope for it and like you said, it's three hours, but like the thing just flies by. Like and it was an exhausting in a good way you know, watch in the theater because it's just like, it's just, it's an overwhelming experience for a biopic. Like not yeah. really the genre that, you know, generally is like summer blockbuster material, but like, you know, close to a, a billion dollars like that. It's, yeah, it, it's it's impeccably well-made and is clearly also connected as well. Yeah. Uh Definitely. With audiences, um, including some people I know that are like went and saw it several times. They're like, oh, it's back in IMAX. I've seen it again. It's like, it's your fifth time. You own it. Yeah, but IMAX. And you're like, I don't, I don't blame you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was almost willing to drive, you know, five and a half hours to Indianapolis. So I could see it on 70 Miller, seven, the 70 millimeter IMAX, which I hear is, Ooh. is the the prominent way to see it. But <laughs> I, I am happy that I got to see it on 70 millimeter at, you know, one of the, the theater here. Nice. So, yeah. What's your number one?
1: Oh, this is going to sound super geeky, but, it is what it is. Um, I saw this movie at the our beloved Cleveland International Film Festival sure. this past spring, uh, almost a year ago at this point. And it just like just knocked me over. I actually skipped the next movie I plan on seeing because I just wanted to kind of sit with this movie and the ideas. And I started taking notes. and I just had like pages of stuff. And I was like, man, something about this movie just really hit me. It's a documentary. Okay. Called, it's an unwieldy title. Uh, it's called "And the King Said," what a fantastic machine. But now that it's out on DVD, they're just going with "Fantastic Machine." Um, it's a Danish-Sweden uh Sweden co-production, but the whole thing is in English, and it's it's kind of an essay film almost, or like a compilation film. Like it uses all um, raw materials like stuff that's already been shot i don't know if there's anything shot specifically for the movie itself necessarily but anyway the 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 topic here is uh the description is from the first camera to 45 billion cameras worldwide today the visual sociologist filmmakers widen their lens to expose both humanity's unique obsession with the camera's image and the social consequences that come with 45 billion cameras out there recording stuff yeah
2: it is 1878 Two men make a bet. Does a galloping horse lift all four hooves up the ground at the same time? A new invention registers what human eyes are unable to see. The author, Elizabeth Eastlake, writes about this machine. The camera's purpose is to give evidence of facts and every photograph becomes an authentic chapter in the history of our world. So our film is about the relationship between humankind and the camera. The very first time a human being was captured on camera was actually a coincidence in 1839. Exposure took about 10 minutes back then, meaning everything moving around would disappear from the image. But one man getting his shoes shined was staying still exactly during those minutes and then became the first living soul to be captured in a photographic image. Back then, there were only a handful cameras in the world. And nowadays, there are 45 billion. So how has that evolution looked like? In Fantastic Machine, we want to take the audience on a ride through serious, humorous, but also touching archive material spanning those 200 years. Because if you zoom out a little, the camera is actually a very young invention. It's kind of humanity's new shiny little toy. But in our eyes, the use of the camera nowadays is actually contributing to the polarization of society. Whereas it also is a great tool to actually convey knowledge and to create empathy.
1: Which sounds all like hoity toity and so pretentious. I get that, but it's actually just it's it's um it's like eighty minutes, it's super quick and in one movie you get to see the very first photograph of a human being that was ever taken. Wow. And at the same time, there's a scene later on where you watch a chimp scroll through their Instagram feed. That's just pictures of other chimps that they know and live with as this experiment to like, and it knows how to navigate and how to heart and how to keep, I'm like, God, that that's an interesting visual right there.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And the juxtaposition of that makes sense in the movie. And would it, all right. So like, this is not a spoiler at all, but like the last line of the movie is the camera saves what's in front of it. Now, what to do with this possibility? And and it kind of really explores that everything from photography to video to like live television broadcasts. And there's this footage uh, of covering all these different aspects of it. Um, the earliest example, they have one where George Mezle, um, you know, the pioneer of, of, of yeah. film. Is hired by like King Edward, I want to say, some number after his name. It's like a King Edward (laughs) because he wants to have a simultaneous, not broadcast, but he wants to have a film in theaters of his coronation on the day of his coronation so that people go to the movies and see his coronation. Wow. So Melee reenacted, like it's not even him. Like he just staged it. And so then that film was out there. And then when they were interviewing people, they were like, oh yeah, I saw the coronation at the movies. And you're like, that wasn't it though. And they draw parallels to like, you know, that there's parallels then from a 1904 like movie to like AI created like campaign videos nowadays, like that they're not real. Like that wasn't yeah. real what you saw. I don't, it just, it was really fascinating. It's kind of cynical at times. It's very poetic at its best. It's very insightful and kind of bittersweet uh, because it's looking at like our relationship with the ability, ours and humans ability to capture reality and play it back for us on demand. Yeah, and like what we're doing with that, it's—I don't know—it's—it's it's really wild. At one point, they sh- they talk about how the Voyager, when NASA launched the Voyager to go with like the gold record and everything to go out into the universe, it took 170 images of Earth at that moment with it, and I was like, "Wow, what? It, how do you pick 170 images to represent?" Like all these little like aside yeah. and just stuff that I was just like got my mind going and like all these different directions as I was watching it, and I but it's essentially from my perspective, kind of an interesting love letter to like my favorite artistic medium of all time, which is motion pictures and film and what power that has. And I was just like, I can't, I can't not pick that.
0: (laughs) It sounds incredible. Like, is it streaming? Do you know, or
1: Um, I bought the DVD on Amazon when it came out. Um, It looks like you can rent it on Google YouTube um, right now. Um, Oh yeah. It's, it's rentable at all the usual spots, I guess, or, you know, I 20 bucks for
0: the, the DVD. Yeah, maybe I'll buy it because then I'll be less inclined to sleep if I try to stream it.
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or think of it this way. We, we both, we mentioned on the show before too, both big fans of the Found Footage Festival and recently yes. to see it live. It's, it's kind of like that if it was a bit more like serious approach to curating bits. Like there's Twitch streamers. that Oh, there are some interviews actually. They interview like a Twitch streamer about like how, and, and she's, Completely in like a monetization mindset of like how me existing as a digital thing for people is now my living, and she yeah. ends up going down the road where she does so much stuff, and she's like, "Well, I need a new gimmick. I guess I'll do porn." And now she's doing porn. I was like, "Oh, well, that's a way to go." And there's other streamers yeah. that like show people like here's the, here's what you look like to me, and it's just like the camera that's on top of their computer. She's like, "I'm talking to nobody." Like it, it's all these wild relationships with 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 uh, the recreate with the captured image.
0: Wow, um, just fascinating. No, that sounds amazing.
1: And yeah. So, our official watch challenge picks for best of 2023 are Oppenheimer and Fantastic Machine, also known as And the King said what a fantastic machine. Mike, what have we got in front of us for next time?
0: So, next time we're going to do a, a genre that I think is uh is sometimes can leads to some really uh great great films actually journalism films absolutely and all that that may uh may entail yes
1: <laughs> the that's one of those I, I did a little poking around i was like oh there's a ton of stuff that counts as this so um, yeah very very like wide the spot
0: superman can
1: maybe <laughs> oh shit yeah of course it would yeah i did yeah Oh I yeah, about that one. <laughs> i was thinking of one um the billy ray one with hayden Christensen. oh yeah Shattered glass Shatter glass yeah yeah Something like that. This great. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have a favorite uh, journalism film or particular one you'd like to send our way, or any other topic or genre you'd like covered on a future show, hit us up on Instagram at Watch Challenge Podcast or the links in the show notes. They'll take you to all the relevant places.
0: Until next time, re- rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using, and we'll see you with the next challenge.